Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. Today's episode is the last in our series on Disney's Golden Age, and the first in another miniseries. We're talking about Bambi. Like I did for the Fantasia miniseries, I'm going to leave the original intro intact, as well as the original outro, and actually, because I'm short on time lately, I think I'm going to leave the whole thing intact, as it was when I originally made it, and I'll probably do the same for the two movies that follow this one, Bambi 2, and a little-known Bambi-adjacent film called Perry. I should also say that in the original intro, I talked about the announced live-action remake, and I guessed at the time it would be coming out in 2022, and at the time I had no idea I would be re-releasing this episode in 2022, so I didn't know that I would be able to fact-check myself on that, and as far as I know, it was completely incorrect. In fact, I don't think they've even started the remake yet, and at this point, I don't even know if they're going to make it. It might end up being one of those films that they announce and then you just never hear about again. I don't know. As far as I know, they announced it and have pretty much said nothing about it since. But if that movie ever actually happens, you can bet I will be all over it. I will definitely make a follow-up episode to this because I'm sure I will have plenty of thoughts on it. Anyway, that's all for that. Let's get on with this episode talking all about the original Bambi. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon on iHeartMovies. My name is Jonathan North and today we're finally getting back to the Disney canon, picking up where we left off with Bambi. When I was a kid, this was hands down my favorite movie. Not just my favorite Disney movie or my favorite animated movie, my favorite movie, period. I remember visiting relatives who owned a lot of movies, and this is the only one I ever wanted to watch. It didn't matter what else there was, if we were somewhere that had a copy of Bambi, that is all I wanted to watch. Today, Bambi is no longer my favorite movie, but it still holds a special place in my heart, so I've really been looking forward to talking about it. Now before we get into it, I should mention that Disney recently announced that they are working on a new live-action adaptation of Bambi. And I say live-action, but it's most likely going to be computer animation, just like the new version of The Lion King, despite what Disney insists. That film is not in any way, shape, or form live-action. It is CGI all the way through, and I'm assuming that this new version of Bambi will be as well. Now I've said before that I want to review the Disney canon in order alongside their remakes, sequels, etc., but as this was only just announced, I obviously won't be able to do that this time. Once it's out, I'll have to do a follow-up podcast. But again, no idea when that will be. I'm guessing 2022 at the earliest, but that's just me giving a wild guess. Anyway, on to the main event. Joining me to talk about Bambi is my cousin Sarah, who did not grow up with the film like I did. So it was really fun to talk about it coming from two very different perspectives. So... General thoughts on Bambi. Oh, boy. Well, you gave me the book how many months ago? <laughs> I don't remember. Back when we recorded Dumbo, and that was... I know the podcast just came out a few weeks ago at the time of recording this, but we recorded that thing a long time ago. So you gave me the book several months ago, probably... And I was kind of reluctant to read it because I know that it's dark. I'd heard enough about it to know that it's not just a happy-go-lucky little book. Then I started to read part of it and kind of gave up on it. And then you were acting like it was okay if I didn't read it. And then I felt like, oh, well, if other people aren't going to recognize the book or know about the book, then I want to read the book. 
and I started in again and gave up again. <laughs> it is, there's just a really dark vibe about the book because even things that he could paint positively, he chose to paint negatively. Say, Bambi's just born, practically. He's wandering along and there are these two crows fighting with each other and then one or both of them I think are a jerk to him and the whole dialogue between the leaves that are dying and oh one or more insects that are grumpy and just these things where it could have been painted in just this poetic happy way but he chose to infuse even more darkness and grumpiness than that actually needed to be there and yes, death is a reality in nature, a lot more than what is comfortable, but I feel like that was put into both the movie and the book. Mm -hmm. You don't get a free pass watching Bambi. Mm -hmm. They did leave out the part where he's introduced to death by a buck being shot, and the relationship with his father is different in the book but I don't know I I didn't finish it so now you know that it exists and that it's not the happiest place to be I'm not saying don't read it just read it with the knowledge that you know you'd probably be happier watching a nature special where the little baby dies or something I don't know it's just not that happy <laughs> well for me I grew up with Bambi the movie. Like, it was my favorite movie. And I didn't. I feel like I watched it maybe once. So you're far more familiar, and I still don't know what. I mean, it's it's nature. So I get that you liked <laughs> nature, but I was more likely to be watching nature documentaries than Bambi. I mean, I watched both. Like, Marty Stauffer's <laughs> Wild America was, like, my favorite show as a little kid. <laughs> I can see that. I don't even know what that is. I watched Nature on PBS. That was a PBS show. Okay. But it was just a different PBS show. Yeah. It wasn't Nature, Nature. It was Marty Stauffer's Wild Americas. Right. A guy named Marty Stauffer who went around America. In the wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the book, like I had the book when I was a kid. I read the book when I was a kid. I remember it being dark. But I don't remember, like, being too traumatized by it. I mean, there were parts that I remember thinking were really sad. But I d it must not have stuck with me, because I really don't remember a whole lot of the book anymore. And I wanted to read it before we recorded it here, but I never got a chance. I don't have a whole lot of time to read things, so. <clears throat> I also feel one there are there are differences, that even just with what I read, that you can see. One of them is... Right away in the book, well, A, he has more company, more things gathering, more creatures gathering around him at the beginning than what you have in the book. They Disney-fied that. <laughs> and I think him realizing that he is the prince is a more gradual process in the book. Whereas right away they're like, oh, the prince, the prince, the prince. I'm not and that, really and that's sure. How, and that's how they address him, too, like with this honor. And that's not so much yeah. the way in the book. In the book, it's like, you little whippersnapper crybaby. 
in in the movie I was thinking about this when I was getting ready to record today. Do they ever even say like does his mother ever even tell him who his father is? Cuz yeah. I don't remember. I feel like yeah. Okay, cause, because yeah. you're in that scene where you have all the bucks, which was not in the book. There were like two bucks in that scene. And in the in the Disney movie, it's like this grand galloping mm-hmm. herd of bucks. Like, that's in nature. No, this is not elk. <laughs> These are deer people. There, there were a lot of natural inconsistencies in this movie. Yeah, not I the least I of should... which is his age, but we can get to yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I, I guess maybe I shouldn't be grumpy about it, and maybe I'm misrepresenting elk as well. But in the wild, generally, the bucks, you might see either a lone buck or a couple of bucks together. Mm-hmm. And that's represented in the book. But they had this, they were going for the drama and pageantry of it in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, even in that scene, I don't think she specifically says he's his father. Because she tells him who he is, but I don't think she says he's your father. Mm, you'd have to review that because I think... Well, I wrote down the quote. She says, everyone respects him, for of all the deer in the forest, not one has lived half so long. He's very brave and very wise. That's why he's known as the great prince of the forest. And at that point, he starts climbing up the hill. Okay, that must just be my brain being like, well, they keep calling you Prince, and he's the great Prince, so... But he's probably too little to connect the dots, but yet at the same time... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I just... I know he's his father, and so I never thought about it. But I was thinking about the last time we watched it, I don't remember her ever specifically pointing it out, he is your father. Like, he, at the end... Well, at the end of... His time with his mother, his he comes in and calls and, him his son. Right. And I'm I feel like that's like the only time it's ever specifically outright stated, other than him being called the new prince. One of the things that the book did that the movie didn't, which was a kindness, was to show the weaning period of his life, which mm-hmm. is kind of mean in the book, but. It's nature. At some point in the book, his mother just starts disappearing for longer periods of time. And he's crying out for her, and he knows these twins in the movie. It's just one girl deer, which there's a whole other side story with another deer in the book, but which is also depressing. Um, but... They're crying out. They don't know where their mothers have gone. At some point, Bambi is alone, and the king or the prince deer comes along and basically rebukes him. Like, can't you? Why can't can't you be alone? He basically treats him like a crybaby that he needs to suck it up. And Bambi is glad that nobody else was around to see this, but he takes it to heart. In the movie. Bambi is kept baby size and mm-hmm. baby mentality the whole year for too long. Like he would have been getting bigger, he would have been getting some more independence, I suppose, and they make it too abrupt in the movie. They make more than one thing too abrupt in the movie. Well, I think I'd never really thought about it. I just kind of assumed that dear childhood 
lasted two years and that we were just seeing the first year. But when we looked it up, a deer's childhood really only lasts about a year. Like a baby, the male deers leave their mother at a year. So um, he should have been a lot bigger. Do they? I mean, either way, it's becoming apparent that they are bucks because they're starting to get mm-hmm. the little nubs on their heads. and Yeah, and he didn't. And he would have been getting a lot bigger. Even if they had just started to make him bigger, they, they just kept him so small and so innocent. So, Which was probably a thematic choice. But it was just so wrong to have him be that dependent on his mother and then all of a sudden she gets killed. Where in the book, he's already starting to grow up and realize that he can't be as dependent on his mother. Mm-hmm. And Thumper, did he even exist in the book I don't all? remember Thumper in the book. I think that they, I feel like I remember... Something, some behind-the-scenes thing where they were talking about they wanted to make, I don't know if it was a rabbit character in the book or just they had ideas for a ra- for rabbit characters and they wanted to have one kind of be like the leader and they gave that one like the main personality because Thumper had his little sisters that would follow around but Thumper was the rabbit. He was Bambi's best friend. Here's where I'm at a pitiful disadvantage because I didn't finish the book, but in the book, what I've read, there is a rabbit who talks to his mother, to him a little bit, but but Bambi feels this almost sense of condescending disrespect towards this timid rabbit, but the rabbit obviously has seniority over Bambi. It's not like, hey, we're buddies. Mm-hmm. It's more like a parent-to-parent or adult-to-adult conversation and conversation with Bambi whereas and in the book you see the greatest companionship between him and other fawns Mm -hmm. which makes more sense also he's kind of friends with a squirrel which is not really played out in the Bambi movie (laughs) I don't remember that part yeah totally years yeah no the squirrel is Far more prominent, and I don't remember a skunk at all. And frankly, I thought the skunk was a girl until later <laughs> in the movie. I think a lot of people think that the skunk is a girl just because his name is Flower, and well, he has they, cute eyelashes. They made him girly. <laughs> I, and later on, that's adorable. His character is adorable, but... I just didn't realize it first, so it was a revelation during the movie. I think I liked the beginning song. Love is a song, the opening credits. Yeah. What was sick, though, (laughs) was after Bambi's mother gets killed and he's basically taken in by his father, it abruptly switches to this... Mm -hmm super happy springtime everybody's in disgustingly in love the owl was a refreshing infusion (laughs) into that scene i love the owl i loved him even when i was a kid like for real they they should have the movie is not that long people they could have devoted five minutes five ten minutes to showing bambi 
maturing a little bit, learning from his father, and a very gradual transition into spring. You could still have the transition of where he looks far more like an adult, but show some maturing and show some reverence for the fact that you just shot his mom, okay? Don't be like, oh, she's dead, he's an orphan. Oh, and it's spring, everyone's in love, he's grown up. That's not how it works. <laughs> it's terrible. She's wrong. <laughs> you didn't like it either, I don't think. No, but... But you don't care as deeply as I do. Probably not. It's kind of funny seeing you get worked up about it. It's just sick. It's just... You're not sick. It's just the scene that's sick. Yeah. Well, I guess we could probably start at the beginning and go through the different scenes. Oh, we're doing that? Okay. <laughs> well, that's what I spent all that time making the outline for. <laughs> so... So, of course, it starts with him being born, and you have all the animals coming. And the one in particular that you just kept <laughs> squealing over <laughs> was the quails. Oh, yes. The quail family is adorable. I I was not expecting that kind of a reaction out of you. <laughs> I love quail. Last time I went and visited family out in Idaho, there were there was a covey of quail that kept moving around while I was out walking. It was wonderful. I just thought it was really funny how much you loved the quail family. Adorable. <laughs> but this is where we're introduced to, like, all the main characters. You have Thumper thumping underneath the owl's tree, and the owl getting mad, and I loved the owl. He's just, I, like you said about the other scene, his attitude is kind a, of refreshing. I needed infusion of grumpiness. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it would be kind of sickly Sicken sweet. Sickeningly sweet. Yeah. Everybody's gathered around meeting Bambi, and you have kind of a recurring gag with Thumper. It happens twice, but I always think it's funny. When Thumper says, he doesn't walk very well, does he? And his mother interrupts, what did your father tell you? I feel like there was more than one, like more than twice where Thumper had to recall what <laughs> he was told. Maybe, but I remember two specifically. But this one has like my favorite line. I even put this line as like my Facebook quote, like in the about you section. I put, if you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really, it's one of my favorite lines. One that I try to live by, especially online. <laughs> just There's too much negativity, and I just, I really like that quote. Kid President set the bar even higher. What do you say? If you can't think of something nice to say, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that or does you, set it higher. Or if you can't say anything nice, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> But yeah, I I just I really like that, and I look. We never meet Thumper's father, but even though we never meet him, he's kind of one of my favorite characters just because of the way his mother uses his words to chastise Thumper. What did your father tell you? <laughs> it is cute. After the baby scene, he's learning to walk, learning to talk, and that's where you meet Flower. Which is just so not in the book. They they made him so cute and 
babyish, but in the book it's more serious and, and more... He's chatting pretty much right away. Mm. Yeah, I think if anyone watches Bambi and thinks, oh, this will be a great book to get the kids because it's such a cute movie. I Don't. Mean, parts of it, you you can get a hint midway through the movie that it's dark, but the book overall is Yeah, if you want, if there's dark. a book, there's probably some sort of Disney picture book, but... Oh, probably. But, you yeah. know, maybe wait till your child is 12 before you hand them the death fest, so... Probably. That's probably about how old I was when I got it. Where you're still going to be sad, but it's more manageable. Yeah. I think I got that book out of a library free box. Like the books, <laughs> they, have, they always used to have a box where they gave away old books that nobody wanted. Mm. And I found Bambi and the sequel to Bambi in there, and I grabbed them both. Right. Somebody else had had enough fun already. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. the The books are very old. Like I don't know if they're first edition or not, but they're very old and kind of falling apart. Nice. Anyways, after that, we get probably my favorite song of the whole movie, Little April Shower. It's just, I think it is a really cool song. I don't think Sarah cared as much, but... No, I mean, I like it, but you also have the nostalgia factor. Probably, but I just think it's really cool how they... I don't think there's any sound effects in the thunderstorm at all. It's oh, all that was creepy. <laughs> it's all the choir making all the, the the thunderstorm noises. There might be some cymbals, but other than that, it's like the choir is making the wind noises. It's, and... it's very well done. It's just creepy to me. <laughs> I loved it. I That was always my favorite part. I can handle one of my the, favorite parts. I can handle the happier part better. Another thing that I want to mention, book versus movie, is that... One of the things that I did appreciate about the book, it was obviously written by somebody who had made a study of and a lot of observations in nature. Mm-hmm. So he's not just talking about the creatures, he's talking about the plant life as well. And there's a strong poetic overtone mm-hmm. in it. So that I will say for the book as well, in its favor. Disney's definitely cuter, but if you want... um an educational, poetic perspective. Bambi is good for that. Mm-hmm. The book. <laughs> yes. After this, we get the meadow scene, which is your first inkling that this is not just a cute, happy, fun movie, because before they get out to the meadow, the mom is, like, on high alert. Like, mm-hmm. she's not letting him move. She's, like, looking around super cautiously. And that part, I felt, was pretty close to the book. Mm-hmm. And the meadow is one of the first things that is going on in the book. They're, they're sojourn out there. And this is where we get another scene with Thumper's family. And they're eating clover, and Thumper's telling Bambi that he should just eat the flowers. There's another, what did your father tell you? And then Thumper recites this whole thing that... Apparently, his father made up this poem to help him remember to not just eat the flowers. Eating greens is a special treat. It makes long ears and great big feet. And then he whispers, But it sure is awful stuff to eat. 
I made that last part up myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is also where you meet Feline for the first time. And at first it kind of looks like he's seeing double in a reflection in the pool or the pond or whatever. And it turns out it's another deer. And, like, he's extremely shy. Mm-hmm. Did, was he shy in the book? I can't remember. Probably. See, in the book, he doesn't meet them right away. In the book, it's his aunt and her twins. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a, like, as an adult, you get the reference of between the mother's where the, you can tell that the one mother is kind of sad that she's just had one and her sister has had <laughs> twins. And I think her sister is saying, well, maybe next year, which from a naturalist's perspective, deer have a single birth their first time that they have a fawn, and then after that they have twins. So... If she hadn't gotten shot, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, okay, going down the dark trail again with this. Um, I'm wondering if, since they're sisters, were they twins? Probably. I never thought about it. I just knew that they were sisters. Hmm. Okay. But that's that's in the book. In the movie, I don't think that there's any reference to them being related, and it's just the little girl fawn. Probably, yeah. They kept it simple. Yeah. Which they didn't really... Was was Gobo the one that got... In the book, Gobo's the one who died. Who got adopted, yeah. and then re-released, and then died. So, you can't blame Disney for leaving that out. Yeah, no, it that would have been, added... that would have been more traumatizing than Bambi's mother's death, I think, because that's the part that stuck with me the most from the book. Like the, even now that I can't remember most of what happened in the book, I remember Gobo. And I didn't get far enough in the book to get to that particular sad part. Mm-hmm. So, just probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was super dark. This book could probably convert people into vegetarians. Honestly, some it people probably could. Some people, if you're sensitive enough. <laughs> well, I've always said if I was, if I had to kill the animals myself, I would be a vegetarian. <laughs> like you know, I, I don't want to do that. Sure. Just I don't I don't I don't even like like we go to the Asian market. You don't want to get the ducks because they have a head. Not yeah. I don't want to see the animal looking like it used to. <laughs> Just, yeah. I don't want to think about it, which is probably like any vegans listening to this would be like, yeah, that's the point. But, yeah. But, you know, if I was a pioneer in the 1700s living out yeah. in the wilds, I would be like, yes, please go shoot me a duck. Please dress it and then I'll cook it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go gather the nuts and berries. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we get the stampede scene. We meet the great prince of the forest. We have the whole thing we talked about before. And this is where he climbs up the hill. And as he's climbing, you can tell he's sensing that something is wrong. And he charges back down to the meadow. And at this point, 
this is one of the touches that I didn't really think about until I was like reading a bit about this scene. Every time that there's some sort of danger, you hear like the birds in the background, mm. especially like crows. Mm-hmm. And I noticed when I was watching it again, they just kind of get louder and louder and louder. Oh, it's like they're coming towards them. It, it really adds to the panic of the scene. Like, it really makes it feel like there's danger coming. Yeah, and I don't know how true to life that would be with real hunters unless the hunters had already shot something and stirred mm-hmm. up the birds. It's probably not exactly realistic, but... But it, it adds the dramatic effect. Yeah. And if this were in the book, this scene... Which, it would not be the same because they kind of made it their own thing. But there is a scene later on where a hunter is advancing and oh, Bambi might even see the buck go down. And that's his first mm-hmm. real experience with hunters. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't know that he'd even had to run. Well, he has to run in this scene because... He's calling for his mother. He can't find her. And the great prince runs up beside him. And then, I don't think he says anything. They just start running together. And then his mother appears. And they escape, like, just the nick of time when there's, like, a gunshot explodes right by where they were. Which didn't really happen in the book. After Bambi, there was, I think, a flush of animals running when a buck got shot. And I think after the fact, maybe the great prince talked to him a little bit. But they just, they made it their own thing. Mm-hmm. And after they get out, there's, I don't know if this is like an iconic line, but it's one that I always remember. When Bambi asks why they were all running, and his mother says, man was in the forest. Oh. <laughs> uh, <good> grief. <laughs> No, it's just so disturbing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And then what happened? (laughs) After this, you get the changing of the seasons. You get all the falling leaves. And then we get to the point where there was a deleted scene here that was one of the kind of semi-iconic scenes in the book with two leaves falling. And if you've read the, the chapter in the book, you get... Or maybe even if you've heard of this scene, you get what they're referencing because they show these two leaves in Mm -hmm. particular falling. In the book, a good chunk of a chapter is devoted to this dialogue between these two leaves. And I thought of it as two female characters when Disney made the scene that got deleted. It was sounded more like a husband and wife. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was harder to laugh at. In the book, when you're reading it, it's just kind of, it's pathetic, but it's also just kind of ridiculous. Like, this leaf asking, have I changed much? <laughs> Where do we go? Where, you know, when we fall. And it's, it's, if you're in a dark mood and you don't have a formed opinion of the afterlife... This could be a really unsettling chapter that resonates with you about growing old and death and questioning what what is going to happen and and it's it's really deep 
and could be very unsettling. I mean, I'm going to heaven, but <laughs> it's it's very deep and done, and it could be very unsettling to some people. But when I read it, it was actually kind of funny. <laughs> I don't just, remember if I found it funny or not. I think I probably interpreted more like Disney interpreted it as a couple, but it wasn't ever specified. So right in my brain, when I first read it, I just think of how women interact with each other, trying to encourage <laughs> each other, and it was just. It seemed kind of ridiculous. I think both interpretations are valid. I like I like the sound of either one. And I and I knew that that chapter was coming up and that it was supposed to be really serious. So when I hit it and it just struck me as kind of ridiculous, then <laughs> that I suppose was to my benefit reading through it. <laughs> anyway, after the leaves fall. <laughs> You get to the first snow, and you have Bambi learning about snow and playing in the snow, having giant globs of snow falling out of the trees on top of him. And he meets Thumper again, and they have the, I guess it's kind of iconic, the ice skating scene. That's one of the scenes everybody remembers of them playing on the ice, flying across the frozen pond into the snowbank and everything. I did not remember it at all. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I've watched it so much as a kid and I recognize every time somebody references it. This is one of the more mm. referenced scenes. The scene didn't do it for me as much. But I feel like it was classic Disney cuteness. Yeah. And I should probably be thankful that they inserted this because they did a really good job showing the scarcity of winter in combat sort of right after the fact with mm -hmm. this initial fun out frolicking in the snow. Yeah, it shows, I don't know if it's a few days or a few weeks later. Like I feel like at least weeks, if not months, because they show them eating bark off of the trees, barking trees, which is great in the forest, not so great in your yard. But it shows them gradually making their way up the tree. So as they still have this need for food, and mm -hmm. they're taking away the food, and it's getting more and more scarce. I really appreciated that part of it, that mm -hmm. they showed how they were trying to survive. More than him off having this play date with a bunny on ice. <laughs> I think that the one is probably more fun for people to watch, but the other one was more interesting for me to watch. It's like, oh, you included this part of the life cycle of a deer. Edumacational. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, it has. It, that scene goes on for a little while, and like you can tell that things are gradually getting worse and worse for them. And here's probably where we were really starting, where you were really starting to feel like. Should Bambi look different by now? Because yeah. he's been, it was a while ago that he was born and he still looks like this wee little mite. I don't think I'd ever given it any thought until when we watched it together. <laughs> Adult perspective. <laughs> uh, shouldn't you be bigger by now? <laughs> yeah. I just hadn't ever crossed my mind until, I guess that was the scene where I started thinking about it. Yeah. So Disney would have done a greater kindness in showing him probably at least double the size that he was, mm -hmm. even if he still had the spots, mm -hmm. which I don't know how, 
he probably wouldn't have had any at that point. He probably would have looked like a small fawn, a small doe, because at that point his antlers might not have started to come in yet. Anyway, um... Yeah, anyway, this is <laughs> this is the scene, <laughs> because things seem like they're starting to get better because they find a little patch of grass, and she says it's new spring grass. It's like the first sign that winter is coming to an end, and Bambi starts eating, and she knows something's wrong. But that's that's kind of the, the point, and, and maybe it's belabored too much, it... If he had been a little bit bigger, if they had just done us the kindness of showing him not being so small and so helpless looking, mm -hmm. this scene could have been buffered, but no. <laughs> yeah, so she senses danger. She yells that they need to get to the thicket, and they take off. And you're, the camera is just following Bambi, and you hear the gunshot. And he gets back to the thicket. We made it, Mother! Mother? Mother! <laughs> and then the snow starts falling again to make it seem even more pathetic. <laughs> it starts snowing pretty heavily, and then suddenly the Great Prince is there. You can't see the disturbed look on my face right now. There's... It's wrong. And then you get another iconic line. Your mother can't be with you anymore. Oh, that's like semi-chill. Just like, you know. <laughs> and this is where he says, come, my son. And they disappear into the snow. And then, let's sing a gay little spring song. Oh, let's shoot the screen to get away from this sick transition. No. I just... It's it's a very abrupt change of mood. It's so wrong. I, if I got a dollar for every time I said something like, it's so wrong, it's so sad, it's so... <laughs> yeah. You have all of these birds that are basically couples, and it's spring, and the color palette has totally changed, the mood is totally changed, and at some point the owl comes out and he's grumpy about how... Twitter painted everybody is. <laughs> yes, you get another good owl scene. <laughs> He's very grumpy in this. He's like trying to shut everybody up and he gets them to shut up for like two seconds and as soon as he goes <laughs> back into the street, they all start singing again. <laughs> and then he gives this wonderful little talk to Flower and Thumper and Bambi about falling in love as if it's this terrible thing that happens. And they're all horrified and say, it'll never happen to me. It was so cute. <laughs> Such a cute scene. And watching them all get entangled with their females is very cute. It's like one by one, they're picked off. First Flower, then Thumper, and then Bambi. <laughs> they're very, very cute. I was actually enjoying the second half starting to enjoy the second half probably more than the first half mm -hmm. with that whole sequence. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of found myself wishing that the second half was longer than the first because it's a little bit shorter. Mm. But I liked it when he was an adult more than when he was a baby. Mm. At least now. I think when I was younger, I probably liked him as a baby more. Mm. 
But then it gets dark again pretty quickly, doesn't it? Well, he finds he finds Feline. Oh, that's and then I'm thinking I'm I'm like cutting out the fight. (laughs) There's the whole scene where he's like Twitter painted, like everybody has been, and there's like a semi dream sequence where he's like, I think they're just running through the forest, but it's like portrayed as them running through the clouds, and then he meets. I've always thought, I do, he's never named in here. I think it's probably a leftover for me reading the book. I've always just called this deer Rano in my head. Mm. I think that's leftover from the book because mm. he's never named in the movie. So Interesting. I'm pretty sure his name is Rano. And they have this fight sequence. And this fight sequence, I always think of Fantasia when I'm watching this because the way it's animated is so stark. Like basic colors and shadows they cut out a lot of detail, like... So you're focused on them, or...? Yeah, it's just, like, the shapes of the deer fighting with, like, flashes of color, and it's just... It's really artistically animated. It's, like, the Mm. most artistic choice they made in the entire movie. It just feels like something that could have fit in with, Mm -hmm. I don't know, the sequence in Fantasia where, like, the lava is bursting and everything. It just feels like Mm. something like that, just... Not abstract, but similar, I guess. Artistic and dramatized. Yeah. But he beats him, and he gets tossed off a cliff into a pond, and I think it kind of shows him maybe slinking away a little bit. Basically, Bambi wins. Yes, Bambi wins. In a very dramatic way. And then they have another song, the big love song, where they're walking through the forest, I Bring You a Song, and basically it's... I think it's showing some time passing where they're becoming a couple, basically. I feel like I liked that song. Mm-hmm. It wasn't gooey, I don't think. No, it wasn't supposed to be. It wasn't like the previous one with all the Twitter-painted birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just a nice, quiet love song with them walking through the forest. And then it's sometime later. I'm not sure exactly how much time has passed, but they're asleep in the thicket. And Bambi wakes up sensing danger. And this is where it gets dark again. (laughs) He starts going through the forest and he finds... Well, he's looking out, I think, like off a cliff or something. He sees a campfire far away. And the great prince appears behind him and says, It is man. He is here again. There are many this time. We must go deep into the forest. But then he remembers Feline is still back there asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. And at this point, she's waking up, and they're both running through the forest. They're calling for each other. And at this point, other animals have caught on that there's something bad happening. Mm -hmm. And you hear the birds, the crows start calling, and it's getting louder and louder. And then you have probably, to me, this is more traumatizing than Bambi's mother getting shot. The scene with the pheasants. And I'm not sure exactly why, because these characters are never named, but... You it's have the psych factor. Probably, and the fact that you actually see the death happen. But you have the pheasants, they're all hiding in the grass, and one of them is, like, extremely scared. And basically... And they have these sweet little voices, too. Mm-hmm. She's like, he's coming, he's coming, we need to fly. And the other ones are like, don't get excited, we can't fly, no. And at the end, she's like, I can't stand it any longer, and she bursts out of the grass, and... You hear the gunshot, and she falls down next to the other pheasants, and like, 
even just talking about this scene is just like, ugh. Yeah, that that I, scene, that made more of an impression on me than Mammy's mother dying. Like, everybody always talked about Mammy's mother dying. That's the one that I remembered. That's kind of understandable. The, just the buildup of that, ugh, it's just, it's really nasty. Yeah. And then at this point... <laughs> It was not supposed to be funny, <laughs> but we we found it kind of comical in a dark way because at this point, gunfire is happening all over the place. Like, whoever these hunters are, they're just randomly shooting everywhere because you have all these chipmunks running, a chipmunk disappears in the hole, and then the ground of the hole just goes... <laughs> so the hunters are basically just... Is it supposed to represent buckshot or something? It probably. I think I read that these hunters are supposed to be... They're hunting out of season. Like, basically, these are poachers, so they obviously don't care about anything. And they're just... To me, it seems like they're trying to kill for fun. But there was just something about the way that... <laughs> they were shooting at chipmunks that just struck us as kind of darkly funny. And maybe it was just, like, buckshot, but just the way... I don't know. It must have just come off as kind of random. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. But don't they purposefully set a forest fire? I don't think it's on purpose, because you later see that the fire is spreading out of their campfire. Oh. They are just they just left their campfire going while they went hunting. Oh, irresponsibly. Mm-hmm. Like, Smokey the Bear type. Yeah, basically. Okay. But at this point, you have the dog, the dog attack scene. The dogs go after Feline because they're still separated, and she's getting attacked. She's like climbing up the side of this hill trying to get away, and Bambi appears to fight them off. Which in my brain was like, really, really. Well, would this if, really if this... would this really happen in the wild? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not exactly like this. But even if it did, I think that they did it in such a way that it's not completely unbelievable because Bambi is not like a superhero. He ends up getting injured. Like, you can see the dogs biting at him, like, holding onto his neck and getting I feel tossed like, around. I feel like it's almost Disney cliche or something. Yeah, it could be. Along with the little woodland creatures gathered around him as an infant. <laughs> Like, where's Snow White? Um. <laughs> but this the scene doesn't end in what I would call a Disney cliche, because after Feline escapes and runs off in the forest, he gets away, but he's jumping over this gorge, and you hear a gunshot ring out, and like his body twists, so you know he got shot. And I don't think that's a Disney cliche because you actually see <laughs> the main character get shot and he's like lying, I'm assuming, unconscious for quite a while while the fire begins to spread out of the campfire. I got a little confused with that one of whether he'd been shot. I mean, his dad comes along and wants him to get up. And... He had been shot, yes. Okay. Because you see, you see the gunshot, you hear the gunshot right at the moment that his body twists in the air. So you know that he mm. he was injured badly. But then you see the campfire start to spread, and the great prince appears, starts telling him he needs to get up, and he did need to get up. He would have 
because after they get out of there, the fire like takes over that whole place. And I don't think he would have gotten up if he hadn't been spurred on by his dad. Because mm-hmm. he, he was just lying there, not moving. Mm-hmm. Roast venison. <laughs> Basically, yes. So they get out of there. They're running through the forest. There's lots of scenes of destruction. And they make it to a river and jump over a waterfall. And it's a little calmer when they get past the waterfall. The forest is still on fire, but they find a little island, and you have all these little creatures swimming out to the island. <laughs> that one, that's probably more of a little bit of a Disney cliche. Um, I don't know. It's making me think about what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's a lot of parallels to be found. Um, then Bambi finds Feline on this little island as they're reunited. Thankfully. Yeah. And they watch the forest burn. And then... <laughs> oh, there's no comment. <laughs> <laughs> then you get to the next year, and you see that the land has begun healing. You've got flowers growing out where you can tell things have been burned off. Yay. And you have Thumper coming along with his little children thumping under friend <laughs> owl's tree to wake him up and he's teaching them all his ways of <laughs> annoying the owl mm. they're yelling it's happened it's happened and it doesn't say what has happened but you kind of know and you also see flower coming along calling to bambi and then you see a little baby skunk come along yes papa <laughs> <laughs> so cute <laughs> ah. And then everybody arrives at the thicket, and Feline is there with what at first appears to be one baby, and then you see that it's two. She had twins. And you have the animals around making little comments. I think Owl says that Prince Bambi must be mighty proud. And then the camera pans out of the thicket up into the mountains, and you see Bambi and the great prince watching over them. It was almost like they had a... Little Bambi and a little Feline. Probably, yeah. Which you had just have to either not care or assume that enough time had passed for them to have twins. <laughs> well, it had. I'm going to assume that they'd been. It had been over a year that they'd been adults, and I'm assuming that that's their first pair. But I mean, it's probably rare, but probably not completely impossible. <laughs> Since this is Disney with talking animals, we probably just shouldn't try and overanalyze it too much, which I'm going to do anyway, but just for the people listening, don't care as much as we do. Well, they had twins in the book, too, so <laughs> it wasn't something Disney just made up for the movie. I think it's a sweet mm-hmm. idea for them to have twins. And then the last shot of the film is the great prince walking into the forest, and Bambi is standing alone watching over the forest. Like, mm. he's the new great prince now. The end. Happy ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really dying to keep it in my roster. I <laughs> I wouldn't mind revisiting maybe a couple of the songs. Part of it is cute, but just the heaviness of the story, it's just, it wasn't as much my thing. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite movie anymore, 
like it used to be when I was a kid. But I still really enjoy it. I think it's... The animation alone is just amazing. There's so many... It's just a work of art. If you start reading about it the is. different people who worked on it, everything... It is. It's just a feat of what they were able to do. I just think if you're going to watch this that you have to have the stomach for it and if you're going to show it to children you need to try and be discerning of whether that's actually going to be a happy or a traumatizing experience for them and if you want them to learn about nature you can do that in other ways like there, I think there are gentler introductions to nature and death and the cycles of life and, and all of these things than just watching Bambi, which you would think, oh, watching a cute Disney cartoon would be the easy introduction to nature. Mm -hmm. But I just think for parents, they need to be discerning. I think most parents probably will know what's going to happen in the movie. It's like, by this point, spoiler warnings, so oh. everybody knows what happened to Bambi's mom. I just, I don't, it's just that people just aren't always, they, I don't know, they just assume that kids can take stuff. <laughs> and well, some can. Like, obviously, I was able to because I loved this movie. Sure. <laughs> but if you had watched it as a kid, I'm assuming you probably would have been a bit more traumatized. I don't remember being really traumatized by it. Honestly, I think I had more emotion over the Lorax. <laughs> but... That doesn't mean it made me super happy. Maybe I maybe I analyze it more as an adult. Maybe it means more to me as an adult. Probably. As a child, like, I didn't remember the birds, but as an adult, that bird being shot was quite disturbing. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things where you have to know your own kid and think about whether your kid is one who can handle it or not. Yeah, whether the themes... You want to delve into those themes because you are right. Most people would know about Bambi's mom, but how many people would remember the bird scene or... That's true. Not, nobody references the pheasant, even though that's the one thing that stuck out to me <laughs> as a kid. And, and how much do you want to analyze the themes and how do you feel about the themes? And do you care or do you think that your kids are just going to watch it and be fine? So, yeah, anyway... It's, it's a personal preference thing. And for me, I, I was, I'm happier watching like a nature documentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, I really like this film, but I can see why other people wouldn't. But I say that about most things that I like. Sure, sure. <laughs> so much is personal. Yeah. Anyway, that's Bambi. I think the next time we're going to be talking about... A movie that I don't think anybody probably even knows exists. Like, I don't think Sarah knew it existed no. until I introduced it to her. No, and I, I had my doubts, but this one I would definitely revisit, even though I'd probably forward through a little bit of the darkness. <laughs> yes, this is another book. I chose to do this one next because this is another movie based on a book by Felix Salton. This one is called Perry. It's about a squirrel. So we'll be doing that one next time. So we'll see you then. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 
Thanks again to Sarah for joining me for this episode. Like we said, she'll be back to talk about a little-known Disney nature film, a true-life adventure, Perry, based on another book by Felix Salton. However, before we get to that, some of you may be thinking about a big, unmentioned elephant in the room. The 2006 direct-to-video sequel, Bambi 2. One of the much-maligned cash-grab sequels of the mid-90s to late-2000s. Originally, I'd planned to just do a brief review of it on my own and call it good, but then I happened to notice that someone in my circle of Twitter friends actually really liked Bambi 2, so I figured, hey, if there's somebody out there who likes it and wants to talk about it, why not do a whole episode on it? So next time, my friend Christian Paystrip will be joining me to talk about Bambi 2, so we'll see you then for another episode of the Disney Movie Marathon on iHeartMovies. Thanks for listening.